Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. Located in the heart of Victoria, BC, we are a church that seeks to renew our community through the gospel. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. Today's scripture reading is going to be out of selection of Proverbs, so I won't be naming off each individual one. Uh, but if you're viewing at home, you can follow along uh, with the words on the bottom of the screen. Or if you've opened the online worship folder, you can follow along there. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The power of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a hard word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. And now you can turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 4 to 12. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here online. So glad you're here. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors, and it's my privilege this morning to be bringing God's word. And so we're continuing on our series in Proverbs, and we've been journeying through a couple different themes But today, we're going to be talking about communication. And I've seen a great and desperate need for this in my own life, especially in my marriage. My wife and I, were part of a community group here at Central, and we're made up of married couples. Some have been married, you know, one or two years, uh, but also they've been married for 20-plus years. And it's great to get together, see the wisdom in the room. But every time we gather, we like to go through different studies, studies that help us to communicate better, to love our spouse better, to raise our kids better, and everything in between. One of my favorite studies, now this is in my opinion, of course, was a study done by Dr. Emerson called Love and Respect. 
And I'm going to recommend this. So if you've been married, you know, just briefly, or if you've been married for quite a while, it's going to change the way that you communicate with your spouse. So please pick it up, get the link right now, media. We'd love to put that in your hands. Now, Dr. Emerson's premise, you know, he kind of gets his material from Ephesians 5, where it talks about husbands. We are called to love our wife and wife. We are called to love our, or to respect our husbands. And so he says that the driving need for the wife is to be loved. And when she is loved, she feels fulfilled. She feels joy. Her love bank is full. And for the husband, when he is respected by his wife, he feels joy. He feels loved. He feels his love bank is full. And so when both of these things, these needs are met, it's joy. But when neither of these things are met, he calls it the crazy cycle. His words, not mine. And both spouses feed into this crazy cycle. So let me tell you briefly about one of our larger conversations between my wife and I. But first, now, we all know, or at least we should all know, that everyone has a particular thing about them. Now, it's not necessarily bad. It's just different. And so it could be the way they do something. I know for me, and I just found this out, I love to floss before I brush. Okay? There are people in this world that don't floss before they brush. They're out there. I know. I know for my dad, I don't know why he did this, but every time he'd get in the truck, he'd always just, like, jiggle his mirror. He never adjusted it. He just, like, jiggled it a little bit, even though he was the last person to drive. Anyway, everyone has something. And if you don't think you have something, maybe ask your spouse or a family member, uh, because I'm sure they'll give you a list. Well, for my wife, and she gave me permission this morning, do not worry, it's the way she washes dishes. She needs, needs in capital letters, to have water in, or to have vinegar, sorry, in the water. Now, she wanted me to say that it's because when she was living in Crofton, it was an old house, old pipes, the water wasn't the cleanest, and so she's carried this over into our marriage. We're not dishwasher people, so we do the sinks. And so, one day, here I am. My wife's out. I'm going to be good, loving husband. I'm going to do the dishes. It was one of those days where, you know, piled up in both sinks. It's kind of like on the countertop, moved over to the dining room table. One of those times. So I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to do all these dishes. And so I get the sinks ready, get the soap in there, washing vigorously, done in record time. Now, I'm sure the dishes were clean. I mean, I can't confirm, but I'm sure they were. And so she came home. I hear the door jingle. Husbands, don't know if you've noticed this about your wife, but they have this sixth sense. I don't know where it's come from, but they can just know, they walk into the room, that something's gone on that shouldn't have. <laughs> that there is something has happened in this room, and I don't know, maybe she walked over and smelled the plate or something, just to be sure. But she knew that I didn't use vinegar. I know. And so she gave me that, what are you doing? <laughs> but what I heard in my brain was, how dare you? This is outrageous. I thought you loved me. 
And so my fight or flight kicks in, my sinful nature kicks in, and I fire back. Now, needless to say, this all could have been over very quick if I would have remembered what we read in Proverbs, where a soft answer turns away wrath. But as Emerson would say, this is the vicious cycle, or the crazy cycle, where we just keep going back and forth. And rather than taking that moment, taking a breath, apologizing, we just keep going. We just keep firing back. Now, this story is a little tongue-in-cheek. No, it's not meant to cause alarm. We're very happily married if I put vinegar in the water. (laughs) But had I remembered to hold my tongue, just as Proverbs 15 says, and what we're going to talk about, it would have been a very different story. There is much wisdom that is needed when it comes to the things we say. And Proverbs has a wealth of knowledge about how we should be using our tongues or our mouths, talking about the words that we speak. And so today we're going to be looking at three points. The first is how the foolish tongue brings ruin. Second point is how the wise tongue brings life. And the third point will be, how do we actually do this? How do we actually tame our tongue? And so point number one, the foolish tongue brings ruin. Now, I believe we've all been in this situation, uh, whether it's a friend, a colleague, a family member, or even ourselves, where as soon as perhaps we spoke those words, or maybe those words were spoken to us, it was like instant regret. Or maybe if those words were spoken to us, it was kind of instant anger, like this fire started to burn. We don't know why those words were said. We perhaps don't know why we said those words in the moment. But what's done is done, and now we have to live with the consequences of our words spoken. The Bible has a lot to offer in the destructive nature of our tongues, and for good reason. For instance, in the New Testament, we have this book called James. And James is really the New Testament version of Proverbs because it's meant to teach us about wisdom. In James chapter 3, verse 4 to 5, it says, Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James is saying, look at the ships. Now we're in Victoria. I'm sure you've been down to the inner harbor. We see those tall ships, and they are ginormous. But just like a boat and its small rudder, our tongues guide our whole self. They direct our whole self. As one scholar writes, control of the tongue stands for control of the whole self against temptation to indulge evil desire and become deceptive about one's own double-mindedness. James is telling us that it's this daily battle to try and control our tongue because it is responsible for so much destruction, both to ourselves and to the ones we care about. How many careers or marriages, friendships have been ruined by the words we've spoken? 
Let's take a look at a few Proverbs. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I mean, I know they didn't have social media back when this proverb was written, but it feels like it's written for us here today. We've seen what kind of attitude this brings where people just want to air their opinions for all to hear and see. Whether they're right or wrong is not the conversation, but rather than actually seeking to understand, to hear differing viewpoints, there is no wisdom there. They just want to blast and for all to see. Proverbs 18 Verse 6 to 7, continuing on. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. It's literally, literally saying, there we go, that if we're walking into a conversation, if we're hot-headed and we're just ready to fight, you invite a beating. That's what this proverb is saying, that you invite a beating because you are ready to fight with your words. Proverbs 10 says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I actually pulled from the NLT, the New Living Translation version, because it says it like this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Yikes. I know at times that these proverbs can seem like a slap in the face, and I believe that they're supposed to at times. Because how many times have we, by too much talking, led ourselves into trouble, led ourselves into sin. Proverbs is saying to take the advice, learn to restrain your tongue. Proverbs 15 and 1, this is the one for me. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There's a common theme throughout these Proverbs is that nothing good can come from a foolish tongue, an unrestrained tongue. I mean, the language it's talking about is anger, beating, ruin, a snare. James, in chapter 3 again, uses this picture of fire. He says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Perhaps we don't think that our words have that kind of power but they do. And as your pastor to youth, you know, I have this deep burden for the students here in Victoria. And maybe you're a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, aunt, whatever it may be. If you've spent time around students, you would be very apparent that they know the power a tongue has, that they know the power that is in their words. And I know we've all heard that phrase that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But that's very clearly not true today. A 2010 research project studying 33 Toronto junior high and high schools reported that 49.5% of students surveyed had been bullied online. Now, when we're talking about bullied online, we are talking a lot of verbal 
communication. Boys are more likely to experience direct forms of bullying, physical aggression, while girls experience more indirect forms of bullying, including cyberbullying. Our students are afraid to go to school. I cannot honestly say that I blame them, but I have to wonder, are we so different? We cut people down. We gossip behind people's backs. And then we wonder why people are struggling. Thomas Watson says this, God has given us two ears, but one tongue, to show that we should be swift to hear, but so to speak. Even further, God has set a double fence before the tongue, the teeth and the lips, to teach us to be wary that we offend not with our tongue. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you think, well, I don't know if this quite applies to me. Maybe I'm not out there slandering people, not out there bullying people. And perhaps you're right. But Proverbs also speaks about those that have this self-satisfaction about their own words, that they delight in airing their own opinions. And I love the imagery it uses. It talks about fruit. It says the fruit that even hearing our own voice can become this addictive habit with dangerous results. Paul Tripp, a great pastor, says this, Constant complaints remind us that we keep sticking ourselves in the center of our worlds, making life all about us. Rather than putting Jesus in his rightful place, when we choose to complain about our jobs, our kids, or whatever it may be, it sticks us right in the center. Let us be mindful of the destruction that a foolish tongue can bring. Point number two, the wise tongue brings life. Just as our tongues can be used for destruction and ruin, it can also bring life. It can bring healing. And a tongue that heeds the wisdom found in Proverbs, it says, reacts with patience in the face of insults will gain long life and divine favor. Proverbs 10 says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. Proverbs 15 again, but further down, says, A soft answer turns away wrath. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. I mean, when we think about it, how many times could that argument have been avoided? How many sleepless nights when we stay up thinking about that conversation, what we said, what we didn't say, that could have been avoided? How many times are we willing to see tears in people's eyes before we change the way we speak? Wisdom is so desperately needed because with it, as Proverbs says, gives us the ability to avert needless quarreling and to live in harmony with others. And this is my favorite part. Many conflicts arise not because the issues separating the parties are so great, but because of the temperaments people bring to a confrontation. 
How many of us just read that and went, ah, that's me. That's me. When I come to tough conversations, am I actually here to talk about the issue? Or am I here on blast? I'm ready to tell you what you did wrong. I'm ready to tell you how you have wronged me, ready to lash out with our tongues. An unknown author says this, wisdom is knowing when to speak your mind and when to mind your speech. Moreover, here at Central, the body of Christ, we operate best when we build each other up, when we choose to lift other people higher than ourselves. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another as long as it is called today. Exhort one another every day. Not just one day. Not even six days. Hebrews is telling us to lift and build each other up every day. And perhaps we forget, because I know I do, that people listen to what we say. And as we, Central, seek to witness to our neighbors, to our colleagues, our friends, our family, they are listening to what we say. They listen to how we speak about other people. What do they hear? Do they hear encouragement? Do they hear confession and repentance and inspiration? Or is it just gossip? Is it just complaining? How would they view Jesus if all they had were the words that we spoke? Think with me, think of the impact our words could have on our spouse, on our kids, on our friends, on our family, if we actually chose to speak life into them. If we chose, as Hebrews says, to build one another up every day. Think of the impact. Finally, how to tame the tongue. How do we actually do this? How do we live this out each and every day? Now, I've got a couple points of application, but by no means is this going to be, you know, five points to a better tongue. Because I want to make something very clear, that it is ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us, which we receive when we give our life to Jesus. And so it is by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, and there is an and, because we have a part in this, practice. We also need to put in the work. A Christian counseling center put out this great article that had a few practical steps, and so I've gleaned a little bit from them for us here today. So, the first one. Give our tongue to the Lord each and every day. I don't know about you, but when I kind of get up, I've just got coffee on my brain. That's what I need first before we get the day going. Maybe I check an email or two. But what would it look like if when we opened our eyes and lift our head off the pillow, 
that we said, Jesus, I am giving you my tongue. I am giving it to you today. And when that happens, I believe something changes in us. That all of a sudden we do become a little more aware of the words we speak. And so give your tongue to the Lord each and every day. Point number two, pray that God would give us an awareness of our words. I know that sometimes I can slip into an autopilot mode where it just happens to be the same type of conversations, the same words spoken, and we don't really think about what we actually said. And so are we in prayer asking that the Holy Spirit would make us more aware of the words we're saying? Give us an awareness to the conversations we're having. And so, pray that God would give us an awareness of our words. Number three, and this one's a tough one, surrender your right to complain. Ouch. It hurts because the truth is, none of us are entitled to complain. The actual only thing that we are entitled to is death. But it is because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross that we are now heirs to his kingdom. And so surrender your right to complain. But hear me, because I, want, I do want to draw a line. I do believe that there are spaces for what we're going to call venting. Now, when I talk about venting, I just mean people that we can process difficult things with. And whether that's a difficult conversation that we've had, a difficult situation, whatever it may be, I believe there is a space to do that. But we need to be careful that we don't cross that line and we slip into complaining. And we know when that happens because it becomes this environment where we're sitting in these negative words. And it just feels like it's suffocating what's going on. It's suffocating the goodness that we thought about in that moment and eventually causes death. And so know where that line is between venting and complaining, but ultimately surrender your right to complain. Number four, repent and ask forgiveness for our foolish tongues. We are sinful people. There's no way around that. And we often misuse our tongues. And so are we coming before the Lord to ask forgiveness, to repent of how we have not spoken life to people? In a moment, we're going to be coming to the Lord's table. And perhaps the Lord is bringing someone to your mind right now of you need to go and ask forgiveness from. That perhaps you spoke something about them or to them that you need to ask forgiveness for. And maybe they don't even know what you said because you never said it directly to them. And so come before the Lord to repent and ask forgiveness. And finally, Practice speaking life. Central, let's do that. 
Let's do that, as Hebrews says, every day. May we be a church body, may we be a local church known for speaking words of encouragement, of speaking words of comfort and inspiration, not only to our brothers and sisters, but to our neighbors, our colleagues, or whomever God has put in our life. And so practice speaking life every day. James 3, verse 9 to 12 says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. How are we using our tongues? Because as James says here, we cannot bless our Lord and Father and cut down our brothers and sisters in the same breath. How are we using our tongues? Are we bringing about ruin and destruction? Or are we bringing about healing and life? What is something that you can change today to speak life into your spouse, into your kids, into your colleagues? Again, whomever it may be that God has put in your life, what would it look like to speak life into them, to build them up? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to come to the Lord's table. And I would ask that in this prayer time that you would be praying if there is perhaps someone in your life that you need to seek forgiveness from. Someone you have cut down. Someone you have brought ruin because of our foolish tongues. And so please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the words that you have given us in Proverbs. We thank you that by your Spirit, he convicts us, and perhaps at times feels like a slap in the face. But God, we thank you that you do not leave us in our sinful state. That Jesus, because of your death and resurrection, we can have new life. That we can choose to speak life into those around us. And so, Father, we pray if there is someone in our life that we need to run to right now, whether that's a phone call, a text, whatever it may be, before we come to your table, God, may they do that. May they come, God, to seek your forgiveness as well. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to hear of your word, to gather virtually to partake of the Lord's Supper and to celebrate, Jesus, what you have done for us. May you be honored and glorified in all of these things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast.